0: Chapter Six of the Annals of Anne by Kate Trimble Sharber. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yule tide in the Southland is what Professor Young calls it, but you would never know from the sound how nice it really is. It means that the Youngs have come down to the bungalow to spend Christmas and have brought his brother Julius to spend it too. Now I admire Mister Julius Young, both his name and his ways he noticed me the minute he got off the train and said i would have to be his sweetheart although i've learned from being so deceived by dr gordon's remarks like that you mustn't depend on what they say still you can't help but like a person when they say it to you he is not a college professor like his brother but he makes his living drawing pictures now the bad part about making your living out of poetry or art is that so often you don't do it This is the way with Julius. He draws fully as good as other artists, but he never seems to be able to get people to notice it. Professor Young says his work lacks the divine spark. And so the poor young man has to heat his coffee over the gas jet, like they always have to do in pitiful magazine stories. So much poetry and art have made him real thin, with strange flannel shirts. And he looks half like a writing person and half like a hero that was raised out west. He doesn't act as peculiar as he looks, though laughing as jolly as Mr. Parks if anything funny happens, and he knows so much about horses, having traveled considerable, that father thinks he is very clever. Father says you can excuse an artist with horse sense better than you can just a plain artist. Rufy and cousin Eunice are down in the country too, partly at our house and partly at Rufy's folks. This makes a nice reunion for them, being as Marcella, Rufi's sister, is home for the first time in three Christmases, having been off studying how to play the piano. Ever since during the chestnuts getting ripe, right, Marcella has been good friends with me, for she loves the outdoors, and there wasn't anybody but me that had the time to spare to go with her through the woods. She felt sorry for me, too, not getting to go back to school in the city this fall, and so she has taught me a lot. Mother and father said they just couldn't spare me because I'm the only one that lived and born to them in their old age. It looks like if my brothers and sisters had known how inconvenient it was for me to be the only child, they would have tried a little harder to live. Marcella is not pretty in a blonde-headed way, like Anne Lisbeth and Bertha, but her hair and eyes are as dark as chocolate candy when you've grated a whole half a cake in it and her skin looks like cream does when it's nearly ready to churn. She wouldn't go with me and Rufy and Cousin Eunice to meet the Youngs at the train, being ashamed on Julius's account, I reckon, both being single. But we went, and Professor and Mrs. Young said they were too happy for anything to be back in the country again for a regular old-fashioned Christmas. They said they were going to do everything just like it used to be in old England, which Professor Young had brought a book along to read about. They said this book would infuse a genuine Yule spirit. But if they had scraped as many cake pans and seeded as many raisins as I have, they would have more of that spirit now than they could hold without a dose of cordial. Well, this morning, we collected on the other side of the creek to go after Holly to decorate the bungalow with, me, the Youngs, and Rufy and Cousin Eunice julius said a good many compliments about the nature you could see all over the hills but Rufy said shucks if he had plowed over that nature as often as he had it wouldn't look so pretty cousin eunice said let's go straight up through the woods and maybe we would meet marcella coming back from a poor person's house where she had been to carry sick folks things to." this plan must have been made up between them for sure enough "'When we got to the tip-top of the hill, "'we found Marcella sitting under some cedar trees resting "'and leaning back against one, "'just like it was done for a purpose. "'She had on her red hat and her little red jacket, "'which set off her pale looks considerable, "'and if she did do it for the sake of Julius, "'she knew the right way to get on the good side of an artist, "'for he commenced acting impressed from the start. "'If a person is trying to be romantic,' It is a better plan to meet a man under a cedar tree with a tired expression than it is to sprain your ankle so that they will have to carry you home in their arms, like they do in books. I don't know why authors sprain so many of their characters' ankles and then let them make love smelling of liniment. Mother says in olden times people married each other because the ladies were pretty and could make good cakes and the young men were able to take care of them but nowadays they marry because they feel the same way about things. This is called congenial, and an overly congenial person is an affinity. Cousin Eunice and Rufy felt the same way about Keats, and married. Dr. Gordon and Anne Lisbeth both loved white hyacinths, and married. And this morning I heard Marcella and Julius say they felt the same way about music. Marcella was playing on the piano in our parlor, and we were all listening when Julius remarked, Oh, isn't it rare to find a woman who can properly interpret Beethoven? Father was in the room and spoke up. Yes, he said, and rarer still in these days to find one who can properly interpret the bake oven. Marcella thinks the world and all of Beethoven, and Wagner, and other persons whose names are not spelt the way you think. Later, when there wasn't anyone present but just those two, i heard julius ask marcella if she would sit to him i thought at first he must be proposing for the folks around here say that widow hollis is setting up to anybody when she's trying to marry but marcella said right away that she would be delighted which i knew couldn't mean marrying for when a young lady gets proposed to she never even lets on how glad she is much less says delighted right out in plain words he said her face was the purest greek he ever saw which didn't make her mad although it would me for a greek is a smiling oily-looking person which runs a candy kitchen when he mentioned her face looking like a greek's face she acted so pleased that he went on to tell her he had never been so impressed with anybody's looks in his life as he was with hers that first day under the cedar tree he said oh if he had such a model he could do anything for he was sure she had a soul as well as beauty. The idea of him telling her she had a soul, as if anybody but foreign heathens didn't have. She said she thought it would be a noble life to be a model and inspiration to a man of lofty ideals, like Dante, Gabriel Rossetti's wife was, only sometimes the woman was starved. If I'd been Marcella I'd been ashamed to mention such a thing as not getting enough to eat, but it seemed to please julius for he got over closer and commenced making a sketch of her on the back of an envelope this morning early mrs and professor young came over to ask father where they could find a yule log and a peacock they said in the eternal fitness of things they must have a log to burn all christmas night and a pea fowl to serve with brilliant plumage at the dinner table Mrs. Young went around to the kitchen to ask Mammy Lou if she knew how to prepare a peacock the way they wanted it, and brought to the table in its feathers with the tail spread. Mammy wasn't a speck more polite than she was last summer about the roosters. No, ma'am, she told her. Miss Mary won't let even so much as a pin feather come on her table, much less a whole critter covered with em. Looks like that would turn a nigger's stomach, let alone white folks, but there ain't no counting for the taste of you Yankees professor young tried to explain that he was cooked without the feathers which was put on afterwards in an old english custom but that wouldn't pacify mammy well all i can say for the old english is that they must have stomachs on them like buzzards mammy told them the yule log was easier and so they got that but it isn't to be lit till tomorrow night with ceremony julius and marcella had a long walk through the woods after sarsaparilla vines this afternoon and talked a good deal about how they would like a house furnished if they were going to furnish one. They never got as far as the kitchen and smokehouse, but they both agreed that they would love better than anything in the world to have a dark green library with dull brass jardiniers. I had a terrible time with that word. Julius then spoke up and said any kind of a library that had her in it would be artistic enough for him which I thought was saying a great deal, for artists make out like they can't live without their atmosphere, meaning battered-up tea kettles and dirty curtains from Persia. Marcella must have thought he meant something by it, too, for she turned as red as when you have a breaking out. I helped Mother and Mammy considerable this morning by tasting all the things to see if they were just right, for we are going to have a big dinner tomorrow and invite them all tonight we all went over to the bungalow to hear professor young read about how they used to do christmas things in england before the pilgrim fathers it sounded awful nice about the waif singing god rest you merry gentlemen on the outside of your window and the servants at dinner bringing in the boar's head singing too professor young said he thought these old customs ought to be revived especially in the south where we had old-timey houses and old family servants father laughed and said well we might get mammy lou to bring in the turkey tomorrow to the tune of there was Ermonan lady she lived in Ermonan land which was all the tune she knew besides shadrach meshach and abednego one being about as christmasy as the other after a while mrs young started up to the chafing dish and called julius from over in the corner where he and marcella were talking very easy to help her with the coffee She hadn't more than said coffee when Professor Young picked up his book again. Why, Marie, my love, he interrupted her. Coffee is not at all a drink in keeping with the season. To preserve the unities, we ought to have a wassail bowl. Then he read us how easy it was to make up the wassail. All you have to do is take wine or ale and sugar and nutmeg mixed with ginger and spice and then have apples and toast and roasted crabs floating around in it. You must mix it up in an old silver bowl that's been in your family a hundred years with the coat of arms on it. A coat of arms is two peculiar animals standing on their hind legs pawing at each other. Mrs. Young said she was as anxious to preserve the unities as Augustus, but how could she when there wasn't any wine, or ale, or ginger, or crabs? To say nothing of the silver bowl with the coat of arms marked on it. Rufy said not to worry, for we might find it hard, along toward midnight and day, to preserve much unity between wassail and Welsh rabbit, if we ate them together. So the wassail bowl was dropped. All during my diary, there hasn't been a thing as thrilling to happen as what happened today. Christmas Day to Julius and Marcella getting your arm broken and carried to the hospital by your future husband wasn't anything compared with this everybody was happy at the dinner table me especially for besides all the books i wanted i got a pyrography set and a pearl ring i don't think any girl is complete without a pearl ring the company all praised mammy's cooking and Julius remarked that after such a dinner as that, it would be pretty tough on a fellow to go back to town the next day and live on coffee heated over the gas jet and crackers. We laughed considerable over the gas jet, all but Marcella, who didn't look funny. Just as we got the plum pudding burning, and Julius said he wished he could paint a picture of it, Dilsey came in the dining room with a telegram addressed to Mr. Julius Young this excited mammy lou who admires him very much so she nearly split all the sauce saying thar i just know it some of yo folks did julius laughed and told her he reckoned not as all the folks he had on earth were right there at the table and he looked at marcella when he said it in preference to his own brother much to all of our disappointment julius never even opened his telegram and read it although we didn't say anything about it He put it in his pocket and went on eating pudding like it wasn't any more to be proud of than just a plain mail letter. After dinner, Father took them all out in the garden to look at some new hotbeds he was having made, and Julius and Marcella went into the parlor. I stayed in the hall by the door, not being wanted in the parlor and not admiring hotbeds much. They didn't sit down, but went over and stood by the piano, and all of a sudden, Marcella said nervous-like, Why don't you read your telegram? It might contain good news. It is good news, I feel sure, he told her, and I wanted you to be the first one to know it. That's the reason I didn't mention it at the table. She said, well, hurry up and tell her. So he did. He said the day he saw her leaning against the cedar tree, he thought she was so beautiful that he went straight back to the bungalow and made a picture of her like she was then AND SENT IT TO THE LARGE MAGAZINE UP NORTH, WHICH HAD PROMISED TO GIVE FIVE THOUSAND DOLLARS TO THE PERSON WHICH SENT THEM THE BEST PICTURE BY CHRISTMAS, AND HE BELIEVED THE TELEGRAM WAS TO SAY THAT HIS WAS IT. Marcella TOLD HIM, WELL, HE HAD A HIGH OPINION OF HIS WORKS TO TAKE IT FOR granted THAT IT HAD WON SUCH A PRIZE AS THAT. NOT AT ALL, HE SAID, CATCHING HER HAND IN HIS, FOR IT WAS A PICTURE OF YOU. THIS SOUNDED SO LOVING that I wasn't prepared for what came next. I heard them tear open the telegram, and Marcella said, "'Goodness!' And he said, "'Well, I'll be. I wasn't looking for this.' And it made me so interested, that before I knew it, I was in the parlor, though so easy and it nearly dark, that I don't think they saw me. As near as I could make out, the telegram told Julius they thought his picture was so good they were not only going to give him the prize like they promised, but wanted to engage him to draw for them all the next year. And how much salary would he do it for? "'Why, you can have your green library and brass jardiniers now,' Marcella said, still holding her hands in her voice like it was about to cry. He just looked at her, and looked a long time without saying a word. Finally, he put both hands on her shoulders and looked down into her eyes. "'I can have nothing without you.' he said in the most devoted voice i have ever heard it is your beauty that has made my picture succeed if i amount to anything you will have to come with me will you you want me for your model she asked very quivery and making out like she didn't know what he was driving at but she put her hands upon his shoulders too which was enough to give her away true i cannot draw without you for my model he said so grand and sweet that it made you feel very strange listening to it. But I cannot live without you for my wife. This won her. It was enough to win anybody coming from an artist, and good looking at that. End of Chapter 6 Read by C.J. Plog.